0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God.
1: Good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning. I want to really thank the uh, choir and orchestra. What a great job. Uh, that they did this morning. Uh, We're starting a new sermon series called Mosaic. Uh, As we begin this Lenten season, we're going to be going through some stories in the New Testament, look at people who have been broken, had broken lives, and that Jesus took those broken pieces of their lives and began to make a beautiful mosaic out of it. And we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks as we head up to Easter uh, Sunday. But as you think about a mosaic, Jesus taking broken pieces and Putting them together into something beautiful, I don't think anything symbolizes that any better uh, than the Lord's Supper. If you would take out uh, your elements of this time, and we'd like to invite any and everyone uh, to share that with us that believes in Jesus. You know, I think it says that for a lot of different reasons. This reminds us of the fact that we are broken people. Uh, The whole point of the Supper is to remind us that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins when we did not deserve it. We're told that on that last night that he took a loaf of bread, he broke it, he divided it up among his disciples. they were all together, all sharing that one loaf and one of the parts of brokenness is that as we come together as a church, we come as broken people. none of us are whole people, none of us are here because we 're good people and we don 't make mistakes we 're here because we have been broken, and that Jesus loved us and forgave us anyway and the church only exists in community and Unlike what the world thinks and even what some Christians think, we're not here together because we're a bunch of good people that do it better than everybody else. We're a bunch of broken people who have found love, forgiveness, and grace, and we join together in that community of brokenness, reaching out to a world. The church is supposed to be a hospital, not a country club. This is the body of Christ, and it was broken for you. Sometimes, though, it's hard for us to get into community and to be with others because we see our own shortcomings and our own faults. And even if other people don't judge us, we still tend to judge ourselves. And that's why, again, this meal is something very special for each and every one of us. Jesus took the cup, he gave it to his disciples, and he told them, this cup is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for your sins. And it reminds us that Jesus died for our sins, And we're together now, forgiven people. This is the blood of Christ shed for your sins. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this meal that reminds us of your death and sacrifice upon the cross. Help us now, Lord, to remember what you have done for us and to show that same grace and love to others. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be over in Matthew. Matthew. How about John? We're going to be over in John chapter 8 today uh, as we get started. John 8, beginning with verse 1. A really interesting story in the life of Jesus here. The background, though, is kind of important, so I wanted to give that to you as we get started. Jesus is at the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of the Tabernacles was one of the holiest uh, feasts that they had in, in Judaism. It was one of the few times they were told they needed to come to the temple uh, to worship. It symbolized the 40 years that Israel wandered in the desert before they made it to the Promised Land. And you were supposed to build a, a little shed, a little, a little uh, booth uh, to, to live in for that week uh, of the celebration. And so pilgrims were coming in from all over. And what often happened was this was coincided with the uh, autumn harvest. And so the harvest has come in. You're doing this big festival. Everybody's together. Sometimes uh, some people, it got a little bit wild. There was some partying uh, going on uh, and that. And and, uh, so the Feast of Tabernacles uh, was something that all these people would have been in town. Uh, They're living out in these booths that they've made up to remind them of the 40 days. At the booth of the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus gets into some problems with the religious leaders. They begin to criticize him. They challenge him a couple of times. They get so angry at him that they literally send guards to arrest him. But Jesus uh, continues on. The guards come back, and they say, nobody ever spoke like this before. We've never heard a man speak like this. And Nicodemus, uh, the one that came to Jesus by night in John 3, he stands up for Jesus. He's... uh, quickly shouted down, and so you have this tension between Jesus and the religious leaders. And that's where John 8 picks up in verse, uh, we're going to start in verse 2. Let's read that together. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, we were commanded to stone such a woman to death. What do you say? Now, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote upon the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older first, until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Is no one here to condemn you? No one, sir, she said. Well, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Let's have a prayer. Father, we look into your word now, open our hearts and minds and help us to see its truth. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anybody here ever seen on TV or live one of those strongman competitions? Anybody? Okay, yeah, some of you who have no taste and watched weird TV shows, uh, you've seen that. Well, one of the things they often do in the strongman competition is they throw stones. Uh, Here's a a, a stone thrower uh, right there. It actually has a name. It comes out of uh, uh, Switzerland and the Alps. It's called Steinsassen. And if you want to know about Steinstassen, the closest place you can see a Steinstassen competition is at the German American Festival in Oakshade Grove, Oregon, Ohio. That is. Toledo, by the way, it's just a suburb of Toledo, uh, but you, you, you take these stones, you throw them, the average stone, the men's stone has to weigh 138 pounds, the women's stone weighs 75 pounds, and there are very few rules, if you look at this guy here, the only rule of Steinstossen is you can't cross that yellow line, either way you can't step out of it to the side and you can't step over it if you do you are disqualified besides that you throw the stone as far as you can and there's no other rules so pretty simple rules can't step out of those yellow lines or you're disqualified so now you know all about Steinstossen, uh and uh, you know i even said it with an accent there uh it was, it was probably uh, not, a, not a European accent. But anyway, uh, as we get there. So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to look into our scripture, and we're going to look at some other stone throwers and what disqualified them. See the connection between <laughs> Okay, okay. Just stay with it. You may, you may a little bit later on. But if nothing else, you can go home and tell people you learned all about Stein Stetson today. So we look into John chapter 8, and the first thing we see is this. Sometimes we are broken by guilt and shame. What breaks us? We're going to be looking at different things that break us in our life, uh, different things that hold us down, and sometimes it's guilt and shame that breaks us. So as our scripture begins in verse 2, uh, we're told it's the morning after Jesus' big conflict with the religious leaders. He comes to the temple when it's still very early. It's just dawn. Uh, the sun is just coming up. There's already some good religious people worshiping in the temple. Jesus comes in, sits down, they gather around him, and Jesus starts to teach them. So they have kind of this impromptu Bible study uh, that's taken place. When suddenly out of nowhere, uh, we're told the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the religious leaders show up and they bring a woman that they caught in the very act of adultery. They stand them before Jesus and the group of the people having their little impromptu Bible study and they ask a question to trick Jesus. And the question is this, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now the law of Moses says to stone her to death. What do you say? And so they're using this as a way of trapping Jesus. They're using this as a way of making sure that Jesus uh, is discredited. Because Jesus can answer in a couple of ways. If he says, the law of Moses is right, you should stone her to death. Some of the people are going to say, well, he's not very graceful. He's not showing much forgiveness. And not only that, only the Romans could announce the death penalty. These people are standing here with stones in their hands, ready to kill this woman. They could care less about the woman, as you can tell. Uh, They're just interested in trapping Jesus. So here they have this woman standing there before Jesus, ready to condemn her, trying to trick Jesus. If Jesus, on the other hand, says don't stone her, then they'll say, oh, so you don't believe in the law of God. You're not following what the law of God says. So they think there's no way... That Jesus can get out of this but the one thing they're not interested in is the woman herself but can you imagine the shame that she's feeling she was probably uh, in town for the festival uh, maybe drinking a little too much hooked up with some guy and literally while they are in bed she gets pulled out by the religious leaders and taken in front of Jesus but not just taken in front of Jesus in the temple, in front of really good religious people having a Bible study. How would you feel if I grabbed you out of your bedroom one night, brought you to church where there was a group of people having a Bible study, and then told them about the most secret worst sin you had in your life? How would you feel about that? You would be totally embarrassed, totally in shame. Shame is something that breaks us. And all of us have broken areas of our life where in some areas there's shame. And shame can come upon us from a lot of different ways in a lot of different places. Sometimes shame comes upon us and it's through no fault of our own. It's something that's happened to us, but we still feel shame about it. It may be uh, an abuse that we endured. It may be, uh, uh, you know, we once had a lot of money and we lost our job and now we have nothing. It may be a, a failure uh, that, we, that uh, came upon us out of nowhere, uh, something, you know, uh, that took place. But we feel shame over something from the outside that has happened to us that we don't want other people to know. Sometimes we feel shame because of something we've directly did. I've done something wrong or I've done something I'd rather nobody ever know about. It's those secret sins that I want to hide from other people and I'm afraid you might know it. I can never reveal myself totally to you because I'm afraid you might find out the little dirty secrets that I have. And so we feel shame because of something we've literally done And sometimes we feel shame because of what people put upon us. It's the expectations of others. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. uh, You're not talented enough. And because of the expectations that others put upon us and the way they view us, we feel shame in our life. But shame is something that can cause brokenness. This woman here is overcome by shame. She feels like as she is standing before others... I have had my secret sins have now been revealed before everyone. And you can imagine how she's feeling. Unbelievable guilt, unbelievable embarrassment, unbelievable shame. Our scripture goes on, and the next thing that we see is this. The world sometimes, sadly, even the church, is quick to condemn us when we fall. So we would think, oh, we're all broken. We all have secret sins. And so it's going to be okay because we're all kind of sharing in this. We just have different areas of brokenness. But the truth of the matter is, when your brokenness is revealed, the world's quick to condemn you and jump on you. And not only that, sometimes even the good people at the church are quick to condemn you and jump all over you. Look down to verse 5 of our scripture passage. Verse 5. In the law of Moses... He commanded us to stone such a woman to death. What do you say? They used this as a question to trap him in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger, and they kept on questioning him. Now, as we said earlier, the religious leaders could care less about the woman. Uh, Now, the law of Moses in Leviticus 20.10 and Deuteronomy 22.22 22. did say that the, that the penalty for adultery was supposed to be stoning to death. It's interesting in both of those passages of Scripture that the one that is directly mentioned is the man. Uh, it, it does say both, but the man is supposed to be stoned to death. They could care less about the man. They've just got the woman here, and they could care less about her. They're just wanting to trap Jesus, using this woman as a prop, not caring about her at all. And sometimes the world looks at our brokenness and our sin, and they not only don't care, they have glee in our brokenness, and they want to throw our brokenness back at us because it makes them feel better about ourselves themselves. Look how bad you are. Look what you've done. Look how bad your sin is. I've never done anything like that before. You could probably pick somebody out of this room right now and we could reveal their brokenness and you could look at them and shake your head and think, my goodness, I never knew that about them. Uh, You know, I can't believe they did that or thought that or were involved in that. And yet the truth of the matter is there isn't a person in this room that doesn't have something that you hope nobody ever finds out about. There's something that you've done, something you thought, something you engaged in, those dirty little secrets that we have, and we don't want that brokenness revealed to anyone, but we jump on people when their brokenness is revealed and we feel so superior to them. Mother Teresa said this, If you judge people, you have no time to love them. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. And so the truth of the matter is this, When you are quick to condemn people, it says more about you than it does about them. It says something about your heart. It says something about your motivation. It says something about the blindness you have in your life towards your own sin that you're so quick to condemn other people. And if you're condemning other people, you can never get around to caring about them and loving them because you're too busy feeling superior to them. And yet we live in a society that's quick to condemn, quick to point out flaws, Quick to demand that someone to be, count, be canceled and quick to be offended and jump at anything that we feel is not appropriate. And yet in our own lives, we deal with that all the time. Quick to condemn, very slow to show grace. We feel superior. But God didn't send Jesus into the world because we were superior good people. He sent Jesus into the world because we were people that needed love and grace And forgiveness. And that brings us to the third thing we see in our scripture passage. The truth is, we all have our secret sins in our area of brokenness. We all have our secret sins, and we all have some area of brokenness in our life. Now, we're going to go through several areas of brokenness uh, in this sermon series. Today, we're talking about shame and how shame is something we hide from, shame is something we're embarrassed by, and we don't want people to know what's going on. But we all have different areas. A brokenness in our life. We'll be looking at several of them over the next few weeks. Look down to the end of verse 7 to verse 9. So when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and rode on the ground. And at this those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. So Jesus is ignoring them. They say, what do you say? The law of Moses says stone her to death. Jesus ignores them, gets down, and begins to write in the sand like a little kid, uh, just doodling in the dirt. Now you can imagine how angry that made the religious leaders. And very self-righteously, they're not going to let him get off that easy. Very self-righteously, they berate him, and they say, what are you doing? We ask you a question. What should happen to this woman? And then Jesus stands up, and everything gets quiet. And Jesus very calmly and probably in a very low voice simply says, let the person here who's never done anything wrong be the first person to throw a stone at her. And then he bends down and begins to doodle in the dirt again. And we're told something amazing begin to happen. People started to be convicted because there wasn't a person standing there with that stone in their hand ready ready to kill this woman that didn't have a sin in their own life that didn't have an area of brokenness in their own life and one at a time they begin to drop their stones we're told it started with the older people first now why did it start with the older people first well you could say because they were older and wiser Or when you get my age and you you are one of the older people, you know it's not because you're older and wiser. You just have more sins that you remember uh, than other people. And so they begin to drop their stones and walk away. And pretty soon, everyone did. Because even when they got down to the younger people, there were things in their life they didn't want people to know about. And they all dropped their stones and they walk away. You see, the truth of the matter is none of us are perfect people. We all mess up. We all fail. We all get it wrong sometimes. And we all do things we don't want anybody to know about. And that's why Jesus came. If you're so good and so perfect, then there's no reason for Jesus in your life. Jesus came because we're not good, perfect people. He came to die in our place and to take our sins when we didn't deserve it. Those areas of brokenness, he came to heal. And as these people begin to look at their life, they begin to understand they weren't perfect, and they dropped those stones, and they walked away. I don't know in your life what's broken uh, or or what has happened in your life, but to know that your brokenness should cause you to have more compassion for other people. Because they're broken people too. You're never going to meet one person in this world that isn't broken in some way. And just because their sin may be different than yours or their shame may be a different shame than you have, it doesn't mean you don't have compassion for them and you understand because of what you're going through yourself. And shame comes from all different kinds of places. For this woman, it was a sexual sin that caused shame. But But brokenness comes in a lot of different ways. Brokenness may come from an illness in your life, and you feel, I'm never going to be well, I'm never going to be healthy, I'm never going to be the person I used to be, and there's a brokenness that comes from that. It may come from the loss of a loved one, and we grieve that the rest of our lives, and we just can't seem to put it back together. It may come from the end of a relationship or a divorce. It may come from being downsized and losing our job. It may become from something that you've done to hurt another person. It may be a financial thing that you're ashamed of, something that you've done. It may be a way that you've, you went behind somebody's back and stabbed them in the back. But we all have those areas of brokenness. And that's why we're calling this sermon series Mosaic. If you know what a mosaic is at all, a mosaic is you take a bunch of broken pieces... And these are our, our uh, Mexican tiles. Well, you see all these tiles are broken and you take the broken pieces and then you put them together and look at the next slide here. You make a beautiful mosaic out of the broken pieces. And that's what God is wanting to do in your life. God is wanting to take those broken pieces and begin to build something beautiful out of them. But here's the catch to it. For that to happen, you've got to come face first with your brokenness. You've got to come head to head and say no I am hurting here this is an area of my life uh, that I either feel shame or guilt or, or an area that I'm just hurting in you know it doesn't have to be a shame it can just be a hurt that doesn't heal but to know that what God wants to do is to take those broken pieces and make something beautiful out of the brokenness of your life and that brings us to the last thing we see in our scripture passage Jesus doesn't condemn us He calls us to a a renewed life. Jesus doesn't condemn us. He calls us to a renewed life. So in verse 10 and 11, everyone is gone but the woman. And let's see what happens. Verse 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is an unbelievable passage of Scripture. So Jesus stands up, he looks around, everybody's gone. Even the people that were with him at the Bible study, they're all gone. The only people there are Jesus and the woman. And here is this woman, utterly embarrassed still, utterly in shame, not understanding what has happened. Everyone's left. And now this great prophet stands up and looks at her and says... Where is everybody? Is there nobody here left to condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. And he says, well, I don't condemn you either. You see, Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn us. We all know John 3.16, but John 3.17 is just as important. John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn you, he came to save you. He came to take the brokenness and to put it back together. And here was this woman, totally embarrassed, totally humiliated, totally shamed, and what Jesus is telling her, I don't condemn you either. I wanna take those broken pieces of your life and put you back together. Jesus is not in the condemning business. But here's the thing for us to understand. If Jesus wasn't in the condemning business, you don't need to be in the condemning business either. There are a lot of good, better than thou art Christians who need to understand what we have right here. If God didn't send Jesus in the world to condemn it, he probably didn't send you to do it either. Okay, just a good train of thought you might want to have right there. And so we begin to look, okay, Jesus is telling this woman he doesn't condemn her. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And the, conv- the, the, the difference is really, really important. I've got kind of a, a graph here that shows you some of the differences between condemnation and conviction. But let me tell you some of them. In conviction, you feel like God knows you and knows what's going on and loves you. In condemnation, you want to hide. In conviction, you feel loved. In condemnation, you feel judged. In conviction, you feel redeemed. In condemnation, you feel ashamed. In conviction, you're clear-minded. In condemnation, you're confused. In conviction, you're forgiven. In condemnation, you feel guilty. In conviction, you find peace. In condemnation, you find that you are anxious. You hide, you're judged, you're ashamed, you're confused. You feel guilty, you feel anxious. That's condemnation. Condemnation is always from the devil. It is never from God. If you are feeling condemned here right now, it is from the devil. God wants to convict you. Go back and look at that last verse again, that verse 11. The woman says, no one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus didn't just say, hey, great, I don't condemn you, go back to the party, have a good time. That's not what he's saying. He says, I want to take your broken pieces and make something beautiful from it, but it requires repentance. It requires you saying, I'm not going to live this way anymore. What he told the woman is, I don't condemn you. Now start putting your life back together with my help. Go and leave your life of sin. Repentance always means taking a step towards God and stopping the things that you were doing. So Jesus just doesn't say, oh, don't worry about it, go on your way. He says, I'm not condemning you, I want you to be convicted and live a different life now. Live a higher life, live a better life. Let me take the brokenness and begin to put it back together. There are two main things that come from this. Either if you are a person right now that are looking down on others and thinking you're better than them, then you need to understand that you have the same brokenness in your life and you need to be more compassionate. If you're here today and there is brokenness in your life, then you need to know God loves you. He wants to put it together. He has a better life plan for you. He doesn't want you to just go back to your old life. He wants to renew you to a new life and take the broken pieces and make something beautiful out of it. Read a story this week about a young lady by the name of Monica Zunica Bailey. Uh, She was an outgoing, confident college student, uh, felt like she had a a great future ahead, nothing was ever going to stop her, and then when she was 20 years old in college at a party, she was given a date rape drug, uh, passed out, and was raped, and she said that she went into an unbelievable depression, and even though this was something that had happened to her, not something that she chose, she felt unbelievable shame. And she felt like, I'm never going to be whole. Nobody's ever going to want me if they know that this happened to me. And she began to go out and and live wilder than she ever had before, just dating uh, people she knew she shouldn't be dating. And she said her life just kept spiraling out of control, and she just felt unbelievable shame, unbelievable guilt over something that she hadn't done, but over something that had happened to her. She believed in God her whole life and wondered why God had let something like this happen to her. And finally, uh, as she was trying to figure out what can I do, she decided to get back in church, joined a, uh, joined a little women's Bible study group with girls her age. And, and as they, they went through it after about two or three months, the leader one night said, you know, we all know each other s- superficially, but do we really know each other? And she said, I wanna, wonder if somebody here just wants to share who you really are. Monica said there were 10 or 12 people that were in that Bible study group. And she said she thought, okay, I'm just going to tell them. And she said she went through and she told the whole story and she never looked up. She just stared at the ground and cried and told her whole story and the guilt and the shame that she felt and, and, and how she could never be whole or put her life together again. And she said then she looked up and waited to be condemned which is that group of good Christian ladies were sitting there and every one of them were in tears. And one of the other ladies told the same story and said, hey, that same thing happened to me. Another person said, you know what? It could have happened to me, but somebody came in and was able to get me out of that situation. And then everybody in the room started sharing stories of their own brokenness in different areas of their life. And she said, and when that was over, She knew that God was with her, and her whole life began to change. She got into some some, some therapy with the help of her friends that were there. Uh, She began to put her life back together. Today she's married to to a strong Christian man. They just had a baby. Uh, There's a picture of Monica and her husband and her baby right there. And Monica has started uh, an organization uh, called We Are Unveiled. And it is about hearing women's stories and helping God put, those, uh, put that brokenness back together through the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so she's working with women throughout the country, hearing their stories of brokenness and helping them find Jesus and to put it back together. Shame is one of the things that breaks us. It's one of the things that holds us down. But God wants to take those broken pieces of your shame build something beautiful about it. Let's have a prayer. Father, some of the things that we've talked about and read today are not easy to hear sometimes. Stories of brokenness are never easy. And yet, Father, we find in the brokenness your love, your grace, and your healing. For this woman that was taken in adultery Lord, you took the shame and the embarrassment and the humiliation and you gave her a new life. Lord, for people in this room now, I pray that you could begin to heal the brokenness that is there. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30am or 11am. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.